Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Awesome. Hey, well, uh, a few years ago, my kids, my son Fulton was two years old. My daughter Israel was five, and it was summertime. And, uh, you know, it, th- those are the kind of the ages where parents are, you know, uh, teaching them how to swim. We're teaching our kids how to swim and, and uh, we're talking about it and we're concerned for their well-being around watering holes. You know what I'm talking about? And I can remember uh, it was a summertime and I'm sitting in the deep end on the side of the ledge of the pool with my daughter, Israel, who is five. And we just both had our legs in the water and she gotten pretty comfortable with the shallow end. You know what I'm talking about? Because she, you know, she could still stay above the water, you know? But man, that deep end, she was a little bit leery of, you know, and I hear her sitting there and I was kind of coaching her through it, you know, and, you know, honey, the, the, the deep end, this is kind of next level stuff, but I'm going to teach you how to, you know, swim in the deep end and, and you're getting comfortable with it and you're just going to, we're going to slide in here together and we can hold on to the side and you can hold on to me and, and she's a little, I'm a little bit afraid, I, it's okay. And, and while we're going back and forth and I'm kind of giving her some pointers and you can trust me and I'm with you the whole thing, all of a sudden, I hear this like jubilant, happy screaming of a two-year-old boy soaring through the sky over our head. And this little guy, my son Fulton, had launched himself with a running start over the top of his older sister. And he just was like, yeah, and just landed right in the 12-footer, you know? And he had all, of course, he had all of his life jackets on, all the whole thing, water wings. And, and he just went right in, came out of that water, ah, and he screamed out, get in the pool, right? And like in that moment, my, my daughter Israel was like, oh, and she just kind of jumped in too. And I jumped in and and we got to laughing, you know, and, 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 I, and I was thinking about that picture of, of Fulton just launching himself off, like no inhibitions whatsoever, just launching himself into the water and going all in. Izzy and I had spent a few minutes touching the water and sticking our leg in and feeling how it was and talking ourselves into it. Fulton, no, 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 whoa, flying squirrel, you know what I mean? Just right into the water, boosh, you know? And I was thinking about this talk even this past week, and I was thinking about that. What a, what a distinct picture of what the Father wants from us, his kids. He, 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 doesn't, he doesn't want us to sit on the side and, and constantly ask him, hey, what do you think, Dad? Do you think I should? No, no, he's, he's already saying it. Go all in. He wants us to jump all in and go all in with Jesus. And so for the last several weeks, we've been talking about what does that practically look like to go all in, to truly live out what Jesus called us to do, to really be on mission, to really live out the assignments, the calling that he has for each and every one of his followers? If you're a follower of Jesus in here today, he's calling you, son, daughter, go all in with me. And so the last couple of weeks, the first week, we set it up. We talked about the foundation, and the foundation of going all in is the kingdom of God. We talked about how the kingdom of God is not of this world. It's a spiritual kingdom. We talked about how we have access to it 
We talked about the church. What, what is the church? When we landed the plane that it's not this building, it's not four walls. We love coming here, and it's such an honor to get to gather and worship here, but this is a building. The church is you and I, and where we go, the church goes with us. And when we understand that and begin to truly absorb that, we now, consequently, uh, in a good way, start actually living life intentionally, knowing that we carry the church and we carry the Holy Spirit inside of us. We talked about Jesus Christ as our cornerstone and what that looks like. Last week, we talked about the message of Jesus Christ, what he had to say and how that resonates with us and what we're supposed to do with it. Today, I want to talk about our place. Say our place. And specifically, I want to personalize it. I want to talk about your place. As we talk about what does it look like to go all in, you have to understand what your place is in this equation. Uh, back in the 80s, there's, there was this Christian singer, this worship leader, who just like jumped to the top of the charts pretty quick. And now he's kind of like, um, uh, a le- he's like a legend in Christian music. And that's Michael W. Smith. Any Michael W. Smith fans? Yeah. We've got some old-time Christians in the house. And I remember being a kid and like his songs would just play in our house all, he, he's kind of like the Christian Billy Joel. You know what I'm talking about? Like Elton John on the piano. He could play and sing. And it was like, Michael W. Smith. And he's so handsome. You know what I mean? Like, he's just, a, just really awesome. And I can remember being a, a, in a little boys' choir. And I, like, I, I can go there right now in my mind. And we, we sang the song, And friends are friends forever. Remember that one? If the Lord's the Lord of them. Nobody. And a friend will not say never. Because the welcome will not end. And though it's hard to let you go, in the Father's hands we know that a lifetime's not too long to live as friends. Remember that song? I mean, that was, that was the one. Yeah. And when you're like eight, you know, haven't gone through puberty, it's, hey, the friends, you know what I'm talking about? But that was a cool song. But there, there, I think his number one song that when he would sing the song, the place would just go nuts. And it was a song that he wrote called um, My Place in This World. Yeah. Do you remember that song? My Place in This World. Looking for a reason, roaming through the night to find my place in this world. Remember that one? My place in this world. I'm going to look at my notes because I don't know the next line. Not a lot to lean on. I need your light to help me find my place in this world. My place in this world. Give yourself a hand. That was awesome. It's really good. What's my place in this world? In fact, that's a question that rings out even in the church. What is my place? What is my role? What does it look like as a follower of Jesus? What is my place? in this world. And so I want to talk about that today. And, and like any good rabbi, I want, to, I want to answer that question by asking you more questions, <laughs> all right? So to answer the question, as a follower of Jesus, what is my place in this world, in this Jesus equa- equation? Let me give you three questions that you have to ask yourself to answer that question. Can we do that? 
Write this down, number one. The first question that you have to ask yourself to answer the question of your place in this world is, number one, who am I? Just write that down with a question mark. Who am I? Do I believe that I'm a child of God or do I believe that I'm just a cosmic coincidence? And let me tell you, nobody in here, of course, out there, there's a lot of people that just believe that they just boom and now they exist, right? They just believe, I'm just a, I just got here. I'm just a coincidence, a cosmic coincidence. There's other people that truly believe that they were created by God, that they're a child of God. And before you can really understand your place, you must understand who you are and more importantly, who created you. It's so important because the place of a person who believes that they're simply just a cosmic coincidence is going to look drastically different than a person who understands that they truly are a child of God. Totally different. And part of my text today is from 1 Peter chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Many Christians uh, hang their hat on this passage of Scripture, especially the second part that I'm going to read. But before we get to the second part, there's a first part. How many of you know there's always a first part? And, and, and uh, Peter is, is explaining in the first part that there's these frustrations that people run into who don't know who they are and what they were created for. And I want to read that because, because this is where a lot of people catch themselves. 1 Peter 2, verse 7 says this, but to those who do not believe, say believe, but to those who do not believe, they stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. And then he explains who we were created to be. Verse nine, now this is, this is the verse. Everyone's like, ah, this is my favorite verse in the world. All right? But before, before you can, before this can become a part of who you are, what I'm about to read, you have to determine what you believe. All right? And what you're destined for. And this is what... For those of you that believe, this is what your destiny is. And that is, you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. And that transition takes place when you say yes to Jesus and accept everything that he's done for you. And once you said yes to Jesus being Lord and Savior of your life, once you finally submitted your will and you've allowed him to take control of who you are, you begin to understand why you're here on this earth. And let me tell you as a pastor, oh, watching, watching someone live this out, like especially someone who, who has never been acquainted with the gospel and they say yes to Jesus and they begin to work this muscle of the pursuit of him and they begin to understand who they are, man, it's, it's like, it's as good as it gets for me. It's, it's so cool to be able to see that. 
In order to begin to understand what your place is in this world, in the equation of Jesus, you have to land on who you are and what you believe. That's the first step. And if you can land the plane saying, I'm a child of God. (laughs) I'm a follower of Jesus. I believe it with everything inside. What happens is there's a supernatural door of destiny that opens according to what Peter writes here. Here's the second part of this. Here's the second question that you got to ask yourself when it comes to your place. You need to ask yourself, number two, why am I here? Why am I here? First of all, who am I? The second part of that is why am I here? What is my mission? What is my purpose? Why did God create me? Am I, a, am I actually a part of what he's doing? I, uh, a few years ago, I have a friend who pastors a church in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Now let's just take a minute and pray for him because the winter is coming, man. It's a dark, no, I'm playing. I love Green Bay. Um, I love the Midwest. My dad grew up in Kenosha, Kenosha, Wisconsin. Any, any Midwesterners in here? Couple? Oh, your fall foliage is so beautiful. Um, anyway, that's not a funny joke, but... Uh, so I was invited, I was invited, he invited me to come spe- uh, speak at his church, awesome church, Life Church, Green Bay, and, and it's just a rocking church, and I had so much fun going there. But he told me, he said, hey, bro, why don't you fly in a couple days early, um, just get here around lunchtime on Thursday, and I will take you to the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field to see that, this is like my, this is, this is my best uh, conjuring up of that voice, uh, the, the Lambeau Field, the Green Bay Packers, and the Chicago Bears are playing Thursday night, and, and if you want to come, I've got an extra ticket for you. And I said, that is of God, right? I, I will definitely do that. I'm a huge football fan, and to go to the birthplace, the Mecca, man, that would be awesome. And, and so sure enough, I got there. I mean, I'm telling you, it was the coolest thing ever. You know, we parked in some lady's, you know, driveway and, and walked up and everyone's high-fiving. And it was just this really fun environment. And we walked up to Lambeau Field, man. And there's, there's the, the massive statue of Vince Lombardi and Bart Starr. And you, just, you can just like, you can just feel, feel. It's like this tingly feeling. It's really cool. It was really cold. And so we, we went to the game, and if you know anything about Lambeau Field, it's old school, man. It's wooden benches, and you're sitting there, and you're kind of sipping on a hot chocolate, and the wind's blowing. I mean, it's just like the perfect football environment, and the, you know, the Packers won the game. It was a close game, and everyone, ah, everyone's going crazy. And I turned to my, my buddy, Pastor Sean. I said, Pastor Sean, I cannot thank you enough for taking me here. This has been a incredible experience. And he said, oh, we're just getting started. I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, how would you like to meet Aaron Rodgers now? That's the quarterback. And I said, don't play with my emotions. You're a liar. You're a liar. He said, I'm not a liar. I can make it happen. He said, in fact, how would you like to, how about, would you like to just have dinner with the whole team tonight? I said, what are you talking about? You're a liar. Say it ain't so. Are you serious? And he said, put out your hand. And I said, okay. And he pulled out of his pocket and he, and he put this bracelet on me, right? And I, and I looked down at the bracelet and, and, it, and it said Green Bay Packers on this side. It said, 
all access. Now, how many, how many of you know if you get that bracelet, that's a pretty cool deal? I mean, meaning I could go anywhere in the whole stadium. He's like, come with me. We're going we're gonna to break bread with Clay Matthews. All right. So, so we, lit, and he, we walked down there and I said, I said to him, bro, like, how do you get to do this? And this is what he said to me. He looked at me dead serious, like not even joking. He said, well, because I'm on the team. And I said, you're on the team. He said, yeah, I'm on the team. I said, well, you didn't play in the game. He's like, I didn't play in the game. Uh, but I prayed with the team last night. I'm one of the team chaplains. And as a team chaplain, I'm officially on the team. You can look up my name on the Green Bay Packer website. I'm part of the team. And because I'm part of the team, I'm granted all access all the time, seven days a week. You want to stay over and go to practice with me next week? I am on the team. And because I'm on the team, you get to have access to the team because here it is. JF, I'm not just a spectator, I'm a participator. And when you are a participator, you get to experience things on a whole nother level. And let me tell you, I got to experience things on a whole, I thought I thought I made it, man. I made it to Lambeau Field. I got to experience the frozen tundra. But man, I got to actually chest bump Aaron Rodgers in the locker room after the game. Now, who gets to do that? Only people who are on the team, on the team. And we shared a meal and Clay Matthews pointed to the four Super Bowl championship trophies in that room and four course meal. And man, it was one of the highlights of my life. And we walked out of there and I I had a a Packer t-shirt that I got home and threw in the trash because I'm a Seahawks fan, but it's kind of part of the rules while you're there. But Man, we, we got in his big F-150, and he just looked at me and said, man, what's it feel like to be a part of the team? And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is awesome. And I said all that to say this. There's a lot of followers of Jesus who are just simply spectating what he's doing, and they're missing out in the participation. And consequently, they never fully experience everything that Jesus has for them. And it breaks my heart. And so, to, so today, you're going to have to ask yourself, like, like why, why are you here? Like, so what's my place in this? Well, part of it is you got to ask yourself, like, what are you doing here? Are you, are, you just, are you just here on Sunday spectating and all you're thinking about is your DVR with the Cleveland Browns and Hawks and your chili on the stove? Like, is that the only thing on your mind right now? Are you just here paying your religious penance, right? Or are you here getting filled up, ready to go back out to battle when you leave through those doors for the rest of the week because you know you're on the team and you're sitting in the locker room right now getting inspired to do his work? Now, that's, that's two different things right there. But that's the kind of life that Jesus, oh my goodness, invites us into. Being a part of his team. Moving the ball up the field. And that's what he's called us to do. Why are you here? Why am I here? Acts chapter 1. You can pull it up in your Bibles or it'll be on the screens up here. Acts chapter 1. Let me give you a little context before I read the passage. Uh, this is this is like Jesus's pretty much his last uh, teaching to his disciples. All right, and when I say his disciples, more than just the twelve, lots and lots of people are following Jesus at this point. Now, 
all of these people, they witnessed his crucifixion. They either saw or they heard about the actual miracles. That thing, the Lazarus thing, that got around pretty quick, okay? They, they witness his crucifixion. They see him dead. They, they watch him, his dead body being removed off of that Roman cross. They, 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 they see on Facebook him going into the tomb, okay? I'm just trying to make it real. Do you know what I'm talking about? Like, he's in, he's in the tomb, and then he, he comes back to life after he's been dead for three days. Now, now I, I, you can't wrap your head around that. I get it. I can't either. But it's important that you understand that these disciples experienced all of that. Now, let's fast forward to this very last teaching that Jesus gives in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. This is what it says. It says, then they, meaning his followers, they gathered around him and asked him. Now, watch this. With everything that they already experienced, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Lord, are are you at this time, are are you going to restore the government of the state of Israel? Like, are you going to be president now? Because, man, that would be awesome. And and if you are, we're we're with you, man. We're going to watch you do that. That's going to be great. You see, they completely still continued to miss the whole point. They kept thinking that the kingdom of God was going to go poof. And it was like right there. And their idea of what the kingdom was going to look like was a government in Israel with Jesus as the leader and the king, man. And essentially what they're saying is, that's what we want. It's awesome. Now, you can can only begin to um, 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 understand or you can can only just wonder (laughs) how Jesus was trying to let that process. Guys, I've, you've seen everything. I've told you how this is going to go down. You, you saw me, and I'm, now I'm getting ready to ascend into heaven, and that's, that's, still, that's still the question. No, that's not going to happen. Look, watch this, verse 7. He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, meaning in Tacoma, in Puyallup, in Lakewood, in Bonnie Lake, in Stillicum. Someone's going to yell at me because I forgot their town. But, but you get it, man. You're going to be my witnesses in the city is what he's saying here. You're, you're going to be my witnesses in, in all Judea, meaning the, the state, the state of Washington. Man, this thing's going to spread. And not only that, you're going to be my witnesses in Samaria, meaning all of, all of the country, all of America. And it doesn't stop there. You're going to go all over the world. And you're going to be my mouthpiece. You're going to be my hands and feet. In fact, he, he, he even says, in fact, I'm, I'm going to send you someone, the Holy Spirit. And because you now have the Holy Spirit, you're going to go on and do greater things than even I ever did. Now, that's an absurd thought. But that's what he said. That's what he said. And this is also our mission. We're called to bring the kingdom of God to this earth to share Jesus, share his love, to share his message to the ends of the earth. And you know who it starts with? It starts with your neighbor. <laughs> it starts with the, 
the buddy you yuck it up with playing Monday morning football over the water cooler. Like that's who it starts with, right? That's where it starts. And when we began to live life intentionally on mission, this is exactly how it happens. Why am I here? To be Jesus for your hurting friend. This is your place in this world, right? Here's the last one. Here's the last question as the band comes back that, that you're going to have to ponder. I want you to know that when it comes to your place, you actually have a choice in all of it. <laughs> and the question you have to land on is, will you choose to accept this mission? You have a choice to do what he asks you to do. Yes or no, will you choose to live out what he's called you to do? Will you participate or will you just spectate? The danger of a, of a big gathering like this is that you can slip in to just being anonymous, slipping in the back door, just becoming a spectator. And that's what the enemy wants for you. Now listen, if you've said yes to Jesus, you're going to heaven. But let me tell you, you will never truly tap into what he has for you here on earth until you say yes to that mission. But you don't have to. It's not getting rammed down your throat. There's other religions that ram stuff down your throat. Not following Jesus. You, you, you watch his interactions with different people throughout the Gospels. And he's like, I got to go, man. Like, are you going to sell all this stuff? Or like, well, I got to, my, my parents just died, man. Can I at least do the funeral? Oh, man, just bear, let them bury themselves. I'm, I got to, you want to come? No, I'm good. Like, you, you never see Jesus like, come on, come on. And I feel like sometimes if I'm not careful, I catch myself doing that with people. Like, like come on, man. You messed up again. You got to come to C-Fan. Come on, man. Ah, there's just some people that will, that will never accept. Now, do I just keep loving them and inviting them? Yes, 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 yes. That's what we're called to do. But at the end of the day, that person has to make the decision, right? To, to, to allow their will to, to break down and allow the Holy Spirit to, to come, in, come inside of them. But that's, a, that's, that's not, I can't make that happen, Right? Will you choose to accept this mission? Because you don't, you don't have to, that's for sure. I've been reading this book and I've been like texting all my friends, you gotta read this, have you ever done that? You gotta read this book. What, the book that I'm reading right now, I'm reading a couple different ones, but just for fun, I'm reading this book called The Operator. And I'm really into war stuff and military and <laughs> history. <clears throat> but this book's called The Operator and it's an autobiography of Robert O'Neill, who was a highly decorated Navy SEAL. He uh, was a part of 400 missions, um, 52 decorations, two silver stars, four bronze star medals. He, he, was, he was the guy who was a part of the SEAL team that uh, rescued Captain Richard Phillips. Do you know that story of the Somali pirates and and he, he, was, he was a part of that rescue. And then he also did this little tiny other thing. He was the guy that actually assassinated Osama bin Laden. No big deal, but 
no, kind of, kind of a big deal in American history. He, he's the guy that pulled the trigger to take out the most heinous terrorists of, of our lifetime. And the book is incredible, man. Like he tells his entire story of like signing up for the Navy. He never, he never planned to go into the Navy. He was from, he, he calls himself, I'm just a regular nobody from Butte, Montana. And I never thought I would do anything except, you know, you know, just be a contractor and just live my life in Butte and hunt and drink beer. Literally, that's what he said. Like that's all, my whole life was just gonna be that. And, and he tells the story of how he decided to go into the Navy. And it's a crazy story. But he goes to Coronado and he goes into Bud's, Bud's training and goes through the whole details of, you know, I, I didn't even know our government was allowed to do that to human beings, man. But it's, it's required. If you're, gonna, if you're gonna do what these guys do, you gotta, you gotta be trained and ready. And so he takes you through the whole thing and takes you on different missions that he was on. But like towards the end of the book, he talks about the mission to take out Osama bin Laden. And it's just like, in fact, you can, you can listen. He, he, he does it like an interview. It's all over social media, but crazy story. And what happened was with this specific mission was their, their uh, overseers, the commanders over them got this specific, this specific SEAL team into a room. And this uh, commander said, gentlemen, uh, we have an opportunity but here's the reality. This is a one-way mission. There is no coming back from this. You will not come back from this. You will make the ultimate sacrifice to fulfill this mission. And so today, we're not forcing you to take part in this mission. You have the choice to either say yes or no. And if you say no, no problem whatsoever. You're not going to be shamed. You're not going to die. <laughs> You're not going to lose your job. You just won't be a part of this mission. You have two hours to make your decision. He walked out. And those Navy SEALs sat around that table, silence. Finally, at some point, one of them piped up and said, hey guys, here's the reason why we're going to say yes to this mission. And the reason is, is because September 11th, 2001, a single mom dropped off her kids at daycare and then climbed to the top of the World Trade Center. And by 10.30 that morning, she had to make the decision whether or not to allow herself to be incinerated by 2,500 degrees of flames behind her or jump to her death. On that day, that wasn't her fight. That wasn't her mission. She didn't sign up to do that, and nor did the thousands others. And so gentlemen, today, we have an opportunity to live out, watch this, to live out the thing that we were created to do. We are seals, and that's who we're doing it for and we will accept this mission. Wow. Now, I, I can't wrap my head around that, okay? I've never been in combat. I don't even understand all of that, but those guys got on that plane and they went over and they eliminated Osama bin Laden. And by the grace of God, they all came home. And he wrote that book. 
And I was reading through that part again this week and I just thought to myself, man, it was clear. It was one of those things where I was like, Holy Spirit, speak, I mean, speak to me in this, with this story. And like, I got the nudge just a few days ago. It was like, you know what, Jay, like you personally know people that you love who are at the top of a spiritual skyscraper and it's on fire. And they feel like their only option is either to be incinerated by those flames or to jump to their death from a spiritual sense. Some of them from a, from a physical place too. I speak with people who, who, who have contemplated suicide before. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was just reminding me once again, like that's part of this mission to rescue those types of people. Now, you, you, can, you can believe what you want about a place called hell. I believe it with all my heart. I believe it that, that there's people that are, that are going there, that are, that are there now. And it, and it terrifies me, all right? You can argue with me all you want. That's just, that's my conviction on it. And so for me, I, I believe in a, in a literal burning place where people are gonna spend eternity. And man, that, that wakes me up, right? Like, so what is my role into it? JF, are you going to accept this mission to rescue people from an, from an eternal place and then a hell on earth? Excuse my description there. But there's people that are experiencing that right now. And we're called Jesus from his mouth, man. You're, you're going to go in to Tacoma and the state of Washington and the country and all of it. Like, like, but you got to say yes to it. You have a decision to make. And I close with this last passage of scripture from the mouth of Jesus himself from Luke chapter 14. Many of you know that Jesus would apply principles and communicate values through stories. This was the uh, rabbinical way. You tell a story and then there's a truth in that story. And, and he tells this story in Luke chapter 14. He, 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 he paints this picture of a great banquet. They're, they're wanting to know what the, Jesus, tell us what the kingdom of God is like. What, what is that like? And he describes it in many different stories. But one of the stories is he, he refers to it as a, as a banquet, like a, like a big, huge party, you know? And, and, and he's, and he's trying to help them understand his kingdom, but not just understand the kingdom. He's trying to help them understand what their calling is. And so this is what he says, Luke chapter 14, verse 23. And this is for you and for me too. It says, then the master told his servant, go out to the roads, go out to the country lanes and compel them to come in. That's a verb there. That's a, that's a um, participation uh, element there. He's saying participate. He says, go out and, and compel them, urge them, encourage them to come in so that my house will be full. Why does he want his house full? Because outside of his house is flames and pain and darkness and deception and brokenness and addiction. And so not only are we called to, to be a part of his house, 
But from time to time, we're called to go out of the house to bring more people back to the house. This is how it works. And this is what it looks like. This is your place. What is my place in this world as a follower of Jesus? It's a part of accepting and saying yes to this overwhelming mission, to love, to invite, to come along people that are hurting. James is very clear that we're supposed to carry each other's burdens and to, and to allow friends to just completely dump themselves on you, to confess, to seek encouragement. Like this is what we're called to do. Will you accept this mission? And this is what I implore you with today, to go out and to compel. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.